Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. An Erio's original. Welcome to The Mother of All Shows, the podcast that takes a deep dive into motherhood and parenting with a comedic twist. Because if we can't laugh when your five-year-old asks, can I cut my bangs? You're like, you know what, screw it, and hand her a pair of scissors, then we're all screwed. I'm your host, Kimmy Gatewood. Child care is an enormous problem in this country. As a mom with a career, the first few weeks of this pandemic were highlighted with Zoom calls with cameos from my child. Cute, of course, for a minute. But then these potential bosses will only see me as a mother, say things like, that must be really hard for you. Think I'm too busy with my kid to hire me. Shame spiral, rage spiral. Underlining this crisis is that many working parents rely on school for childcare. Pending a miracle, it looks like many schools will not be opening in the fall due to COVID-19. So what is the plan for working parents? We have no paid family leave program and no subsidized childcare in this country. And without new and creative solutions and fast, the pandemic will scar a generation of working moms disproportionately. But maybe there is another way. Today, my guest is one of the many working parents out there who has had enough. Jess Sano is the founder and CEO of the recently created Omnico, a childcare solution for corporate America. Omnico creates a new way for businesses to retain key talent and lost revenue due to family and medical leave with employer-sponsored on-site infant care and a wellness space for new parents. Basically, it allows parents to return to work with their baby. Jess was preparing to launch Omnico when COVID-19 hit, and she quickly shifted gears to figure out a way to help essential healthcare workers with emergency childcare relief. Working with the state of California, she set up a certified childcare facility to aid frontline workers. She is a mom that gets things done. Please note, I had my conversation with Jess before the recent LAUSC decision not to open schools in the fall. The infrastructure she set up in the early stages of the pandemic could be a future blueprint for working parents caught in the hell of work and homeschool. Here's my interview with Jess. How much do women lose financially by having a baby? So this is an interesting question. It, it essentially has a name, what you're asking, which is the motherhood gap or the motherhood pay gap. And essentially, a woman is going to lose sixteen dollars to $20,000 a year for having a child and even more so collectively at the office, $57 billion a year is lost in corporate America um, for women who are on family or maternity leave, absenteeism that's um, attached to having that child, leaving for, you know, doctor's visits, the emotional strain, the the physical strain, all of this um, is sort of balled up into one big, the cost of having children for women. And uh, it is absolutely a motherhood penalty. And this is in the United States. We should both mention. This is the, um, yes, this is the United States. Yes. And, um, and uh, because other countries somehow figured it out. Oh, they have. <laughs> they have. Um, but, you know, this uh, just... Im- you know, my past work, like we both know this, that there is you know, full-time employees who are impacted, whereas they aren't able to get raises and promotions. And then part-time employees who get no paid family leave, no paid sick leave. Um, 
paid sick leave obviously is a different conversation now because of COVID. Um, but uh, I think the the issue still remains that there's no support, and therefore, if you're missing work for two months, you're already two months behind. But then you also have to take the kid to the doctor. You're expected to as a woman in general, and right. you're penalized for that. It's kind right. of what we're talking about with the motherhood gap. Right. And you have to make really big decisions about, am I staying home? Do I have a one parent work full time? What happens when there's only one parent like myself, for instance, I've got to work because I need to, um, I need to have, uh, an option for insurance for us. I have to pay that. I have to pay, um, extra aftercare support and all the other things. So, we we have been, we are broken. We know we are broken. We know the system does not support um, a working parent. And I am, Kimmy, I, I, and I say this, I truly believe and it is my desire to radically shift that in my lifetime. I, lo- I love it. You just gave me chills. Um, I think what was most exposing about this uh, global pandemic in the United States, in my small community and in Los Angeles, was how much parents, working parents, rely on school for not yes. only child care, but also meals. And yes. uh, I would love to talk about the U.S. policy and child care options. Like, what is the current U.S. policy? Is there anything in place other than school to help working parents? Uh, nope. So (laughs) it is. (laughs) I must spit out my coffee. (laughs) So we have well-intentioned programs for after school, but that's when school is in session. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's only what, you know, or, or if I don't mean in session because there are summer programs, but meaning that we are shelter at home, we continue to be shelter at home right now and schools are closed. So there are no programs where anyone's gathering. Um, There are fantastic organizations like the YMCA and the like to um, offer limited programming to some children to support them. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're talking about, you know, I think individual families having to make choices of childcare looking like grandma or the neighbor or a share with a friend or a paid nanny or babysitter, if you can do that, but then having to, um, in this day and age, think about, well, what does that mean about bringing people into our home for the sake of, and the respect of the COVID? But as far as U.S. policy, no, there is nothing. Why does the United States lack a family leave program? I feel like that's such, respectfully, it's like such a loaded question for me. It makes me so, it just, I sigh like that because why, you know, why are we fighting racism right now? It's, it kind of is the same idea and concept that our country has been built to kind of like kick the can down the road, but no one has actually put into place, um, systems that support, really support, um, all Americans, and we'll, we'll keep it to America only because, as, as you mentioned, other countries have incredible social programs in place to support their citizens, and America doesn't. We are the only country that does not have a paid maternity leave that is required. 
right. the only country. How is that possible? I also We're think America. that the, yeah, the, like the culture around um, having a baby is kind of fucked up, forgive yeah. my language, but like that um, it's viewed as a vacation and all. Like, right. whereas you know you really sit back and think about it and it's like continue like a very base level continuing the human race is like what we're trying to do and everybody's like why are you taking so long yeah (laughs) yeah you just like if you just keep going back 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 and you're like what what do you what do you want women to do just either be suppressed at home or you yes. do not want babies to happen anymore because there's a huge population program going up a population problem in right. Japan because women are uh, afraid that they'll have to give up their jobs if right. they have a baby so right and a lot like, of women that I've spoken with that are I, I want I'm going to generalize here because that's truly with the ages of the women that I've spoken to but Conversations that I've had with women between the ages of 29 and 34 are terrified. Women, women that age who have not had children yet, but want to have children, but are also exec- already executives or on their way to being executives or want to be executives, they're terrified to, to have to ask the question, well, I'd like to have a family, but I don't know if I can. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you had talked to me when I was 30, I would have said the same thing. Yes. <laughs> I had to also be tricked into having a child. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Fuck, I guess this is what life is now. My life is over. <laughs> it wasn't. I found it. It wasn't. Oh. Um, yeah. So, um, well, let's let's talk about some good news. And that is your organization. Um, yes. What led you to start the Omnico? Thank you for asking that. Um, it all truly stems from the pain point of being a working parent, a single working parent with a child. Truly everything is from that personal pain point and not wanting any other parent to not feel like they have some real support to be able to work and raise a family. So this is like my internal belief system is just churning all the time of like, I want this for myself and I'm going to some, I'm going to put into action how others too can be supported in that way. Because if I'm suffering in this way, we're all suffering in this way, I think, at least with the mothers and parents that I've spoken with. Mm -hmm. And so in 2017, I created and co-founded with June Diane Raphael the Jane Club, and that was the first step towards creating a beautiful space and community where women can both honor their work and their children. It was a space, it, it is a space for both of those things. So while I was there um, and working there, the desire to create a larger corporate sort of business to business play where it's fantastic that it's working in Los Angeles and in the communities that we pop up elsewhere. And I just felt so strongly in my heart. I know that this can be something I can apply to corporate America. And so last August, last summer, I started really having those pangs of 
envisioning what that looks like and what a model can what model can work and how a model will work. So I started having the pangs of that um, last summer. And then in, and I was thinking about it and I was sort of, as an entrepreneur, I was running through logistics and, and detail and particulars and laying out what I saw and what I wanted and what, what, what could work, what can't. So very iterative. You're like, which, which pang is this addressing? What's pang this saying? Exactly. I love these pangs. Iterative. iterative. Trust, trust your pangs. <laughs> Go with the pangs. <laughs> um, <laughs> hashtag pangs. Um, and then in November, I went to India with, uh, with an organization called the Zuckerberg Institute. And we studied for two weeks with the Dalai Lama specifically. Holy cow. What? Yeah. Yes. Louise. That's amazing. (laughs) So the concept of, it was about 12 of us and the concept of the visit was, um, our own individual purpose in this world and how that then can be applied to the global purpose. Hmm. And we learned Buddhist philosophy and every day we were in class at the Dalai Lama's palace for five, six hours a day and worked individually with his holiness. And um, he's in Dharamshala, India, which is in the Himalayan mountains over the hill from Tibet. And for the refugees fleeing Tibet, um, they make it over the hill. Should they make it alive? They essentially, many of them, um, resettle and settle in this Dharamshala mountain town. And it's there that all of their services for the refugees are free. So they had a Tibetan children's village that I was so taken with because it was completely free to the parents for however old the kid is. If they're not in school and they need care, you can drop a child off and have covered care in a mountain town in Tibet, (laughs) excuse me, in India. And so... I looked a little bit more into it. It's microfinance. It's bottom-up economics. It's It doesn't have its place in um, capitalism. It yeah. is community-founded and funded. And I was just so moved by this. And I thought, if they're doing this here in this remote mountain village, I could figure it out in Los Angeles. And so that really impacted and educated um, sort of the next step of Omnico, which is it is employer-sponsored. So uh, Omnico, if I'll just step back for a second and let you know what it is. So we are a family care solution for corporate America, is essentially my tagline. And what that means is I work with companies one-on-one to build out infant care facilities within the office space and an adjacent wellness space so that parents can come back to work with their baby and have, let's say, a converted conference room or a converted office that now has become, you know, a small, safe, staffed nursery and adjacent um, wellness space so that a woman can take a nap if she needs to or breastfeed in private or a dad can come back and just take the time he needs to have really a gentle return to work with his child. So as I was forming this, my age was zero to 16 months because essentially at 16 months we have daycare and other options. Mm-hmm. 
it's changing right now because of COVID. I'm going to, I'm going to, it really is going to be custom to whatever a company would need. But I thought, okay, here we go. This can be an employer-sponsored wellness benefit. The employer's losing that $57 billion a year. I'll be more specific about that. They lose $90,000 per employee who leaves on maternity and family leave. And if it's an executive woman, the number is 214% more. So the company is losing a shit ton of money when a woman leaves and wants to retain her, so we'll pay the cost to do so. And eventually, the mother might not think that that works for her, or father might not think that that works for him, and leave. So this is an option for the company to retain the cost, because the cost of a contract with me is hundreds of thousands less than it is to cover the maternity leave, or the, the, the costs associated with a maternity leave. Um, allows the woman or man to bring their baby back and have that year and a half of covered care. Imagine if you didn't have to pay for your for for child care that your employer was paying for that, and you were with your child and can do a mommy and me class on a Tuesday at the office and duck back to work and 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 maintain a, a normal work and and family balance. I just think that this is this is an innovation that needs to be. In play immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. The name Omnico comes from Om is is Arabic slang for mom in some Arabic cultures. My son is part Arabic, so it's a nod to him. And Omni, the word Omni, O-M-N-I, mm-hmm. uh, is universal or for all. So to me, this is a, ma- a mother for all and oh. or a mother solution for all, Omnico. And so I came back from India and then and then I went to Italy and got blessed by the Pope at the Vatican. Come on. What? <laughs> uh, pre COVID Jess was living her best life. Living. Changing the world. Living. No. I'm like, I literally got blessed by the Dalai Lama in November and blessed by the Pope in, in December. Are you, are you a religious person or you're just like, this is fucking cool? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, you are. I'm spiritual AF, so that was all very cool. I'm global yeah. AF, so that was really cool. <laughs> yes, very um, global spiritual. Yeah, so I, my sister at the time was living in Italy, in Rome. In fact, she kind of lives there sort of right now, but fled Rome in uh, February when it closed down and went back to be with my parents in New York. But um, I went to Italy and when I was in Italy, I really had that sense of, of family, of culture, of it just spawned in me. The concept of Omni just was everything I was breathing and seeing at that time. And so. You're like I pasta got- dish, nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> I see pasta, but what yeah. I really see is a bed in a room for a mother to take a nap. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so I came back from Italy and I was just completely motivated, completely focused, completely on point to launch the company. Um, very quickly brought an incredible team together. Honestly, I don't want to sound like uh, 45 right now, but I got the best in the biz. I had like incredible <laughs> people that I brought to the table to build out, um, build out and operate a model. And we were well on our way to open doors on business when dun, 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 
the pandemic hit. Oh, right. I forgot about the pandemic. <laughs> we had a global pandemic, if you remember, if you recall, in the year of 2020. And um, <laughs> that shut every single thing and person down. Mm-hmm. And so at first, in those first couple of weeks, like I said, I was making watermelon slushies with my son, minding my own damn business. Mm-hmm. And my sister said to me, well, what are you going to do to help? <laughs> wow. And at first I was like, kid, I got to just keep, take care of my son over here. Like I'm not doing anything. And it took me 10 minutes to essentially download and see this concept of, oh, crap, these medical workers who we need to support, these heroes that are out there just, you know, essentially – dare I say it, I'm not saying it lightly, dying to save other people and going into work. They have families and they're working these 20 hours, 24 hours covered in all of that protection, not knowing at all what this thing is, but just like, again, heroes just showing up and doing their work in service of others. And I thought, well, I want to be in service of them in this way that of having my, you know, my individual slash global purpose of like supporting working parents. I know how to pop up a child. I know how to pop up a childcare. So thankfully at the, at the Jane club, we had um, several opportunities to build out pop-ups if you will. So the Jane club, South by Southwest in Austin to support the South by Southwest Festival happened for a few days. The Jane Club New Orleans supported the Essence Festival for a few days. We served, I want to say, 85 to 100 families at the Jane Club BeautyCon, which was a 30,000-person beauty convention at the LA Convention Center. So I had done it time and time again. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is so that it wasn't just people who could afford childcare were able to enjoy things that everyone else can enjoy. Exactly. And and my thought was, I'm going to pop up the childcare. Going back to India, it's going to be community funded and free for the parents so they don't have to be concerned with the financial burden of having their children at home. We're going to give them the free option of just dropping them off so they don't have the emotional burden of figuring out where their child's going to be while they're working that 24-hour shift. And from there, it just I, I, it just happened. It materialized. I went to work and I produced the emergency child care relief center for essential hospital workers in Los Angeles. Amazing. I I would say you mentioned the burden. I would say that in addition to the financial cost, the burden of having to call people to help take care of your child. Yeah. I would, I would say takes up much more time 
and energy than one would necessarily expect. Oh, and yeah. So to be able to have a phone number to call that is always available to you. Yes. Is a huge emotional relief in addition to the financial relief. Yeah. Just knowing that, okay, here's this space that if I'm running late and just need to have my kid go somewhere or if, yeah, the sitter didn't call or the sitter's sick or the sitter is not comfortable coming over or the grandparents are older and immune compromised, like whatever the case may be, this was an option that I felt could support COVID-19, like the response of COVID-19 and the action uh, around just supporting the pan, you know, the pandemic crisis. Can you talk about your experience with working with the state of California on the child care center? I can. So what was so interesting was I needed to get a child care license in order to operate above board. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard enough to do when you are trying to just get it done on any regular given day. But when you're trying to do it, when the world is going through a global pandemic and everything is closed and no one is working and everyone is scared and no one knows if they're going to get sick or not. um, Obviously those roadblocks were put in front of me. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't just like lift up your son and be like, he's good. We're good, right? Can I get my license now? Listen, I have a pillow and a toy here. It's totally cool. (laughs) Um, So I worked with, it's all basically just like reaching out and and connecting. It's just connection. So it's like connecting with people you know who can take you to the next level, like a video game. So I was from a friend. I was connected to another friend who owns a daycare center. The woman who owned the daycare center connected me to, to her analyst at the Department of Social Services. So, uh, and all of that within the midst of uh, a global pandemic, like that takes a while making the phone call and asking for the thing. And so, so if you could imagine, it was just a constant trying to achieve my goal of getting the license. So the, so I have now an analyst with the department of, of social services and we started going down the, um, the path of me being, uh, provided a license, but then it turns out that I'm not in the neighborhood that she was an analyst for. So I had to start all over again with someone that was within my district where I was. It was in Burbank, uh, the place that I had leased for the time. Are you talking about bureaucracy is shitty? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so oh Governor uh, Gavin Newsom of California was granting emergency temporary childcare licenses. Wow. And and I fell in that category. Wow. And so a lot of the daycares were closed. People weren't letting kids gather still, but I said, it's it's for the essential medical workers. So we became an essential service. We essentially positioned ourselves as an essential service. Mm -hmm. Somebody then, usually they come out for a site visit, but we did it on Zoom and I walked through the space and a little, I can, we can talk a little bit about what we did with the space because we just, we used a closed marketing studio that happened to be in Burbank near St. Joseph's Hospital. So um, we walked through the space. They had to take a look at like, are the outlets covered? 
I thought you were going to say like Chili John's or something. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> listen, nobody's there. <laughs> now that sounds much nicer. <laughs> well, what's interesting is when I first started, I was looking at hotels because I was working with my sister who works mm. in hospitality. So she was like, well, let me connect you to a bunch of hotels that are closed. And I was like, fantastic. But um, that actually ended up not working out. We ended up working with an event marketplace called Pure Space Online, mm-hmm. which essentially is like an Airbnb for event spaces. Um, but Peer Space was so cool, and they were like, well, "How can we help?" And they were able to um, connect me directly rather than go through the online portal. The CEO of Peer Space was able to 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 connect me directly with some of the of their hosts that would be interested in opening up their space to us. Incredible. So, incredible. yeah, it was, it was it was incredible the way people showed up and and made those connections. So um, I worked with an, a, an event company in Los Angeles. They are so awesome, called Mesh Kids Co. And the woman who owns it, Eunice, is just a delight. And they, they work with the Kardashians and other fancy people. But they build out these incredible play spaces for kids. Mm-hmm. So I worked – I called her up and I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to put this – daycare, this drop-off childcare together, can you help me build it out? Because I'm working with a concrete floor and cinder block walls. And they came in and matted the floor beautifully with foam matting and used colorful plastic fencing to build out three pens that were age appropriate for infants, toddlers, and big kids. And then in there were toys and age appropriate sensory, um, just toys to play with and engage. Any uh, any Yeezys they throw any in there since they work what? with the Kardashians? What it, well, <laughs> <laughs> I got myself some Yeezys while yeah, I was yeah. <laughs> I wish. I mean, she really – so if anybody's looking for like an incredible event company, I just want to – for any of the moms out there, Mesh Kids Co. I, are an, they're just an incredible husband and wife team that have beautiful taste and incredible products. And I just – I'm so happy that I was able to work with Eunice on this. And um, she came in and her husband actually came with the truck and, and we built out the space. Amazing. And so the Department of Social Services, after really going at it every day, all day, and making sure that we wrote out the policy and the procedure and we were following all of the safety guidelines of COVID-19 and putting that together in paperwork that would be both signed off by parents and then also posted in the space. And we had to go through the procedure of what a check-in is. And I can talk you a little bit through that, but it was a lot of work, but we finally got there and I was granted a license. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's incredible. That's like, it took a village to make this happen. Were there people already waiting to use your service when you opened your doors? Proudly, we were the only free resource in Burbank, and that's how we connected with the staff. And then it was through that and through friends and through social that we were able to engage with uh, staff that needed it. That's great. So you were able to – and how many people can you service in your uh, one facility? So we we were only under – the license and under the social distancing and all of the COVID, we were able to take in 10 children a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that didn't mean 10 families. That was just 10 children. And ultimately, we served 24 families. That's amazing. 
And they um, came from, I'll just shout out the, the hospitals that were like incredible to work with. We worked with uh, Glendale Memorial Hospital, which is Dignity Health. We worked with the Kaiser Permanente system and we worked with Providence St. Joseph's in Burbank and also Providence St. John's in Santa Monica. Wow. That's a long way to go, huh? Well, they live in, they live, they live close by. What's funny is I was just focusing on Burbank because we were close to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh no, F that. There's like, people live in this area. Like, it doesn't just have to be. So then, then it turned into I'll service any hospital worker who needs it. Yeah. Do you have any stories that you want to, that you have to share from any of the parents that you worked with? I think just parents really, one parent in particular who had three children was just so thankful that she could use us as a resource because I think that she was really, she was a nurse, really struggling with um, uh, the finances of her children being at home. Mm-hmm. And she felt that we were a safe place. And that was the point of the whole operation. Incredible. Single mom? She was not a single mom, but I'm not sure she had support. Yeah, yeah. I Yes. Uh, I, again, returning to the burden of motherhood. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, what are the, the rules to safe childcare? Because I think there's a lot of conversations in mother communities about, you know, if childcare facilities are allowed open again. Yes. Like, what does that look like now? Yes. There are very specific steps to take, and I think that that will probably extend itself into the school year and probably become part of a new normal, I think. Um, But they're all fairly easy, but they do require time and cooperation from everyone. So it starts with we, at the beginning um, of the pandemic, again, we didn't know what it was. So children, we weren't able to um, give any food out. We couldn't have snacks. Mm -hmm. And parents had to bring their own uh, lunch, lunch boxes, bottles, uh, formula, all of that had to be brought in. And so when the parent comes to the door, they have a mask on. We required that the children over four years old wore masks, but we did, I have to say, we did not push that. but the parent comes in. It's well children and well parents only. They hand over their food or their lunchbox or their bottle. We sanitize that and put it in the front fridge. Then we take the temperature of the parent and the children and record that. Then the parents um, take off their children's shoes and wash and sanitize their children's hands and then the parent leaves. And then when the parent come, or when the children is brought to the back, our caretakers are wearing masks, sometimes gloves. They didn't really have gloves on, but we had them available if they needed them. And then you have to um, wash and sanitize hands every hour for all of the workers and children. That's great. I have two maybe seemingly silly follow-up questions. Um, infants have yes. different set of rules. Do they have to wash their hands or are they okay? Sure. So um, that's a really interesting question. We had the, we had an infant. Mm-hmm. The mother kind of washed the baby's hands in the sink. Right. <laughs> um, we don't put sanitizer on a baby. They don't have they don't have, they definitely don't have masks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think throughout the day there was like maybe a few times where their hands were run under water 
mm-hmm. with some gentle soap, but we weren't we weren't enforcing every hour on the hour for the infant and or no hand sanitizer. Right. Because toddlers are disgusting. Babies are perfect oh, beings. <laughs> yeah. Toddlers will sing a song and be happy about the germs going down the drain. Right. <laughs> Babies are the yeah. softest little clouds of perfection. <laughs> um, and then, you know, what do you do? Obviously, like, my child's five. She underst- She knows how to wear a mask all the time. And she also knows how to wash her hands. Like, she gets it. Yes. Um, but for, I would say anywhere between like the one and a half to four year old, like if they sneeze, if they cough, like, yes. is that something you have to report to the parent or? The second that they show a symptom that would be um, questionable, it is reported to the parent. Parent is called. Mm-hmm. That being said, the sneezing, if they're sneezing often, if they have allergies, we're told because they fill out pretty ample intake paperwork mm-hmm. about um, the needs of the children. So if they don't have allergies and they're sneezing and it's constant, a parent is called. If they're just sneezing once, they're sneezing and their hands are washed. The caretakers yeah. are so good. They're so on top of it. They're so understanding of what this is and how it could be scary and how it's not the easiest thing in the world. But honestly, like, it's beautiful to see, like, older children caring for younger children or singing songs about germs um, or just being interested in teaching a younger child how to be or do. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like anything could be taught through a song. <laughs> that's what make, that's, yes. like, that's how they retain it. That's how they get it. That's what, the, that's what makes it fun. I have a five-year-old, too, and, like, we're, you know, we're constantly – Making up the song about the thing we have to do. You know, I come up with a song. I'm like, don't forget to pay your credit card bills. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't forget. Got to remember that. <laughs> uh, do you have um, any tips for parents that are faced with managing uh, working from home? Oh, gosh. I wish I did. I, I should. <laughs> I should. But I I myself am challenged by it, too. Mm-hmm. I do my best to take Zoom calls, take work time sort of in the space where my child is playing. But then I, I try again, I have a five year old and I have to say, you got to stay right here for the next hour and a half and yeah. not move. And generally, that includes television. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have the answer to that. But I do know and I can share with parents that I am working on a solution that will allow us to have our children at the office so that we can work and have someone else take care of them on the employer's dime. The, the, the shame around being a parent sometimes in order to be successful, it would just be nice to if you're like, well, the, the kids are here and it's not like like they're cute. They're going to sing songs and be cute. They're not going to be interrupting work. If they're a part of our existence, then we can all succeed together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. And like we just need systems of support and to be able to collectively support each other for whatever our needs are to be met. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Um, thank you for having this. me, doll. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, how can people find you and how can people help? 
Excellent. Thank you. So I am at omni.co. That's spelled A-H-M-N-I dot co. And I am keeping the GoFundMe page open, um, which you can find at omni.co, so that if should parents want to donate, that will go to the um, hospitals that we've worked with directly to their childcare pools, their funds that are supporting the workers. We'll continue to do that work. And then if you are an HR employee or employer or own a business and are interested in this, having this conversation and providing this for your employees, please reach out to Omni.co and I look forward to connecting with you. Awesome. The pandemic has highlighted a host of issues the United States has ignored for far too long. If we're going to get through this time and build a better world, we need creative solutions. Thank you, Jess, for creating Omnico. That's our show. I want to thank my guest, Jess Sano, and the company she started, Omnico. It does sound like a mother solution for all. Please reach out to me through our website, motherofallshows.com. If you have any questions, thoughts, or topics you'd like to hear, we are also all over social media at Pod. This podcast is produced by Jen Perilini, music by Jerome Curtinbuck, and edited by Tracy Levy. I am a proud part of the Erios Network. Please subscribe and rate the Mother of All Shows on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. It would really help us out. Stay strong, parents. You are doing the best you can. Be kind and thank a teacher. We will have links to the topics and resources at... What's up? I love you. <laughs> I love you too. What do you need? Um, I don't need anything. I just wanted to say I love you. <laughs> you know what? You can interrupt me anytime. <laughs> Erios. Powered by Acast. 